Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Papaya Podcast. I'm your hostess, trying her mostess, Sarah Nicole, and each week I'm going to be dishing out some sweetness mixed in with some seeds of wisdom or something like that. So get ready to get inspired, get candid, get real, because we are all in this digital space together. All right, welcome back. I am super stoked to be talking to this next guest. She's actually a friend of mine. She is local to my hometown, but she is also the creator of the Zero Waste Collective on Instagram, Mindfully Tara. Hi, how Just you learned doing? it's not Tara. It's it is Tara. Tara, <laughs> because she has British parents. And then I realized that nobody ever calls me Sarah. That's too bad, but I can call you Sarah. I mean, it sounds kind of <laughs> cool. Thanks for being here. We met a while ago. You're such a community builder and you did this community lunch and and it was crazy for me because that was the first time in my hometown, which I don't know how many people even live here? Like uh, 150,000? Yeah. <laughs> there's not a lot of us. And so there's not a lot of people in the influencer space or Instagram space or like that social media stuff. So it meant a lot to me when you kind of like gathered us all together and we all kind of had these different walks of life and it was really cool to connect. I ended up one of the girls from that luncheon became my first podcast editor. Like there was a lot of really cool connections out of that. So after that, I think we kind of started following each other and like really diving into each other's content. And I've been just so interested, I think is the word, so interested, so captivated by what you do and what you're putting out there. So tell us how you kind of got into this whole idea of zero waste. What prompted it for you? What keeps you going? And now you have this like booming audience of nearly like over half a million collectively that are following this zero waste thing. So you're doing something real right. But tell us how you got there. Wow. I, you know, thank you so much for that introduction. I kind of forget how big it's grown. And and honestly, it's been growing quicker than I can keep up with. But where it came from, well, I actually grew up traveling a lot. My dad's a pilot and I can tell you my carbon footprint is toast. Like I'm in the environmental and sustainability space and I'm well aware of the impact of traveling. However, traveling is actually what opened up my eyes to the environmental impact that we have. And it it specifically happened in Bali quite a few years ago. So I've done a lot of like snorkeling and scuba diving and I was snorkeling in Bali in a place that you envision as like 
gorgeous and pristine and tropical yes. and lush, right? Yes. Aren't those all those words just giving you this vision of like rice patties and all the coral and everything. So I went snorkeling. You know what I saw? I saw dead coral and garbage. Are you serious? <gasps> I'm serious. See, I feel like whenever we see those images that it's just like shock value for people to care. Yeah, it's real. And that's that's the devastating part. And, you know, Southeast Asia has a reputation for contributing to a lot of our ocean garbage. And I was able to see it firsthand and it made me really, really sad. Mm. And so it, it really stuck with me. And so I've also got a background in urban planning. So that's my professional background. That's I what I used this. to do. And I was working for the government in environmental land use planning. So I was working really closely with environmental biologists that were dealing with species at risk. And and that wasn't my my background, the environmental component. I didn't study environmental science or biology. And so when I was working with them, I learned a lot about our impacts on the environment from like a city building perspective. You know, every time we're cutting down more woodlots for uh, urban development, we're losing habitat for different species. So um, I just became really well aware of our impacts on the environment. And I was like, okay, well, you what got can woke. I do? You got woke. Yeah, totally. You can't, you can't shut your eyes to that once you've- No. Right? It makes me sad, but I'm like, people have to live somewhere, right? We yeah. need to live somewhere. So it's about finding a balance. But then I was like, okay, well, you know, I can't always control what the government does, but I can control what I do. So that's where hmm. zero waste was so, you know, inspiring to me. Because I'm like, I can control how much I consume. And to a certain degree, I can reduce my trash. So I was like, sweet. I can take a, a bit of an assessment of the trash that I'm making at home and be like, okay, how can I change that so that I'm not having as big of an impact? So that's kind of where it came from. And then I started wow. documenting that on Mindfully Tara. My how long did, How long ago did that all happen? Like how long did the Instagram chapter <sighs> of it kind of okay. happen? So the Instagram chapter happened in early 2017. So it's been over oh, two years. Oh, you're a baby. Ah, oh, such a baby. Wow, congrats. <laughs> that's incredible. Yeah, so I started documenting it. And, you know, other people were um, within like the Instagram community were doing it as well. And I, yeah. you know, made in real life friends. Oh from yeah, I love Instagram, that kind. right? Yeah, people always feel like it's such a dividing wall, social media to real life. But I would say 90% of the people that I have had genuine friendships online have eventually gravitated into a real life friendship, right? So exactly. it's really cool. You can find your community. So nobody's ever alone anymore. We We aren't, which is really cool. So I love that. That's true. Totally true. I love true. that. So now you've grown it. So tell us what kind of the Zero Waste Collective does, like what you post about on there and the difference between that and your lifestyle page on Mindfully Tara. Okay, so Mindfully Tara was what I started with. So Oh, it was. Yes, I started with Mindfully Tara because I wanted to document my own journey because literally I was like a regular at Costco and the amount of trash that I was coming home with and then like all the bags and all the boxes, like it was overwhelming. So I started to take an assessment and started documenting it with Instagram and it was just fun. It was just like, here's my trash or here's mm -hmm. the stuff that I'm doing to reduce my trash. And, and I can go back to some of my original posts, which is kind of cool to see on Mindfully Tara that I started that journey back in 2017. And then I was like, okay, well, there needs to be a bigger platform than myself yes. because I couldn't find one. And so I was like, I wanted to create a space where people could have that international conversation because people were going zero waste in so many different countries, right? True. True. It's happening worldwide. It is. This plastics issue that everyone's talking about these days, people are talking about it 
all over the world. Yeah. I was actually shocked recently when I went down to Mexico in April of this year and immediately they handed us a drink with a straw. And I had this like panicked thought in my head because I, as somebody on the Instagrams, had been slaughtered for using a straw before. And so I'm like, ooh, I can't take this picture. And Shane goes, no, no, no. Look at what the side of the straw says, the little package. And he's like, they're made out of avocado pits. And I was like, hold on. So all of a sudden I start to like look around and notice and I'm realizing everything is napkins, is like fabric napkins. Everything is washable. Almost no garbage was happening in this resort. And I'm like, if they're doing this in Mexico, and I mean, we even went down into the city and the same thing was happening there. There was very little garbage that I was truly seeing comparative to what we're seeing in Canada or North America as a whole. So I was really taken aback. I was like, first of all, why do we have these like awful paper straws that are like gummy and gross? And that's why nobody wants to use them. And then in Mexico, they've made avocado pits (laughs) into straws that like, I guess there's a difference between biodegrade and compostable, but I don't know which one it is. (laughs) But yeah, I was so impressed to see that this this is happening truly worldwide, that people are starting to wake up and pay attention. Exactly. So I created the Zero Waste Collective as a space for that international conversation to happen. So I I see it as kind of like an educational space where um, I help to provide information about the zero waste lifestyle. So how to do it. Mm -hmm. But I also take the opportunity to interview other people who are doing it around the world. So it's having that global conversation. And then I also share sustainable brands and sustainable campaigns because this is kind of like a a hub or community for all these different things. Because a lot of times when you go down that sustainability path, you're like, well, what brands can I support in order to, you know, live my values? And I I try to create that space for that as well. That's really cool. Cause you know, that's what I really love about you is that I find every single time I step into these types of conversations, it feels so like it's a straight edge line and you can't really cross it. And I find for a lot of us, it feels like if you're trying so hard and you make a misstep, you know, I was sharing with you earlier, which I'll share again. For instance, we've been making a massive effort since July of this year to not use single-use plastics in terms of like water bottles and stuff like that. That was, I didn't realize how hard that was going to be because I was like, oh, that's so simple. It's just water bottles. And then suddenly you're hyper aware of how many plastic bottles that you've had (laughs) in your life. And so we started doing a very, very simple thing that truly changed it for us, which was pre-filling water bottles and putting them in the fridge. That seems so simple, but it was so impactful for our family because they were reaching for that. We weren't doing anything else, but I started noticing too, when we bought drinks out, like I was choosing cans over choosing bottles and it became this ongoing effort. However, there was a couple times that we messed up where I was in public and, you know, realized the kids were thirsty and they needed a drink. And I had the choice between like a canned pop or a plastic bottle of water. And I felt so morally conflicted because I was like, I wouldn't typically give my kids pop. And at the same time, like not to mention that they're like literally the worst humans on earth when they have too much sugar, but- (laughs) Like, so if we're already out, I'm like, this is shooting me in the foot or to buy the bottle of water. And it was like, there was always like that moment where all of a sudden I was like, so conscious of it. I'm like, hide it. Don't have it in any pictures. Like we can't show that we've made this mistake. Like there was so much guilt about it. And also just like, I was feeling so ashamed that we'd like made this error. And I feel like what I like about you is that you're kind of teaching us actionable steps that are not completely like if you make a mistake, you're done because you're not, you, you created the zero waste thing, but 
you're not totally zero waste. What? How dare you? <laughs> I'm like, there's no way. Out it right now. You outed me already. <laughs> like, how do you even receive a package in the mail? Oh my God. Don't, don't tell worst. people I still do online shopping. What? Anyway, I actually had a package this week that came. It was from Luna Bronze and their bag that they sent it in was a compostable bag. Okay, Which we'll definitely so cool. have the compostable conversation. Thank you. In a Maybe second. it was biodegradable, but regardless, I know this gets. Confusing. It was an impressive word that I thought. <laughs> You're right. Your lingo it's totally expanding, but it's expanding. I am not zero waste, and I think at the end of the day, it's just not possible in our society. Mm. Obviously, there's ways you can be as low waste as possible because there's like a whole life cycle to the products we're buying. Even if we buy something that isn't we're not putting trash in our bins. There was probably a lot of trash happening just in the process of, you know, extracting and creating that product to begin with. So we certainly can't be zero waste. But even beyond that, I... I would just say I'm low waste and I'm promoting what, you know, the, the term is obviously a buzz term, buzzword, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Zero waste. So I want to definitely, you know, use that as a vehicle to get people interested in the conversation, but what would be better having like a small handful of people being zero waste or a, like a large group of people, like everybody being, you know, a bit more aware of their waste and reducing their impact. I'd rather have a big impact from that perspective. It's true. And and like I said, I'm not fully zero waste. I'm certainly not perfect. I will say that my husband does hide Doritos in the cupboard. (laughs) It's actually ridiculous. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. You didn't have to hide them from me. I'm not the Doritos police. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's so funny. Well, I find that this is, I was really inspired. I watched, is her name Greta? Thunberg. I don't know how to say her name, (laughs) but this week, I don't know when people are listening to this, but this week she delivered a speech to the UN about environmental impact. Now I understand that she was talking to the UN, which is on a much grander scale, but her words were like piercing to us as adults and the society that we are living in today. So I'm going to take a minute. This is about a two minute speech. If you haven't heard it, or if you've heard it already, I don't care. You're listening to it again, because this is actually going to get you fired up for why we're having these conversations and why I believe it's truly important. So I'm just going to let that play now. This is all wrong. I shouldn't be up here. I should be back in school on the other side of the ocean. Yet you all come to us young people for hope. How dare you? You have stolen my dreams and my childhood with your empty words. And yet I'm one of the lucky ones. People are suffering. People are dying. Entire ecosystems are collapsing. We are in the beginning of a mass extinction and all you can talk about is money and fairy tales of eternal economic growth. How dare you? For more than 30 years, the science has been crystal clear. How dare you continue to look away and come here saying that you're doing enough when the politics and solutions needed are still nowhere in sight. You say you hear us and that you understand the urgency. But no matter how sad and angry I am, I do not want to believe that. Because if you really understood the situation and still kept on failing to act, then you would be evil and that I refuse to believe. 
the popular idea of cutting our emissions in half in 10 years only gives us a 50% chance of staying below 1.5 degrees and the risk of setting off irreversible chain reactions beyond human control. 50% may be acceptable to you, but those numbers do not include tipping points, most feedback loops, additional warming hidden by toxic air pollution or the aspects of equity and climate justice. They also rely on my generation sucking hundreds of billions of tons of your CO2 out of the air with technologies that barely exist. So a 50% risk is simply not acceptable to us, we who have to live with the consequences. To have a 67% chance of staying below a 1.5 degrees of global temperature rise, the best odds given by the IPCC, the world had 420 gigatons of CO2 left to emit back on January 1st, 2018. Today that figure is already down to less than 350 gigatons. How dare you pretend that this can be sold with just business as usual and some technical solutions? With today's emissions levels, that remaining CO2 budget will be entirely gone within less than eight and a half years. There will not be any solutions or plans presented in line with these figures here today because these numbers are too uncomfortable and you are still not mature enough to tell it like it is. You are failing us, but the young people are starting to understand your betrayal. The eyes of all future generations are upon you. And if you choose to fail us, I say we will never forgive you. We will not let you get away with this. Right here, right now, is where we draw the line. The world is waking up, and change is coming whether you like it or not. Thank you. Like, that's just gutting. It is. She's a child. And, you know, when we had these conversations before all of that happened a couple of weeks ago, I was trying to instill some light fear into my children as to why we should care about the environment and why should we care about some of these things? Because sometimes I feel like my kids just look at me and they're like, oh, mom, you're such a vegan and you're such this and such that. Like, I'm like, no, actually, like, I'm not. Like, I'm trying to be really grace-filled in terms of how we approach everything and give them individual choice. So as much as they love to roll their eyes at me, I want them to understand that I'm not just telling them, like, make better choices and, like, try and be good about recycling and stuff like that. However, it started to make them kind of scared. So when I was talking to them about it, all of a sudden, my daughter daughter one day like came downstairs and she was like crying and I was like, what's wrong? And she's like, well, I feel like the world is dying and I don't know what to do if you guys are going to be gone and the world's just ending. Like, what does that mean for me? Like, what does that mean? Does everything just go on fire? Like, what does it look like? What's it going to be? Like, is it just going to go away? And I was like, oh gosh, like, I'm glad you're scared, but I'm also so sorry. I'm so sorry that you're so scared because you know, through the generations, we started being zero waste. Like that's how everything became. And then we got really interested and very selfish in the terms of convenience and how much we could, how much faster we could get things and how much easier things were accessible to us. And it kind of became this slippery slope. And now we're here with this massive worldwide issue in terms of pollution. I mean, can you talk a little bit about, like, do you know a lot about like the science behind, um, or not even science or stats of like, where's our garbage going? Like, where does it genuinely go? I don't, I don't feel like many of us know the answer to that question. Maybe you do. Okay. So I think it's, it's good to point back to, I think the 1950s because, you know, I don't 
dislike plastic. I dislike how we've been using and throwing out too much plastic. But plastic really started to become more commercially available as of the 1950s and Mm -hmm. has become really prolific. And now we are just producing it and throwing it out at exponential rates because of our convenience-based lifestyles. And unfortunately, on top of that, Worldwide, reports are showing that only about 9% of plastic that's been getting created is actually being recycled. Oh, wow. That, that's a devastating- 9%? 9% worldwide so that is what's being recycled. That's of recyclable plastics though, or is that just plastics as a whole? Because there know, are some remember, recyclable plastics, yeah, right? Yes, I always are, get confused, sure. but yeah, that's and, staggering. And I'm sure you've seen in like the news that, you know, China um, had stopped taking the world's garbage basically, yeah. right? They they heightened their standards to a point where basically we can't ship much off to them. And yeah. it's crazy because even us here in our tiny town of Guelph, Ontario, mm-hmm. we were sending a lot of our recycled materials abroad too. Really? So across Canada, municipalities have been impacted because now we're like, what do we do with all of this recyclable material because our market was abroad. And we've even been faced with embarrassing moments of the Philippines sending garbage back to us because they're like, this isn't what we wanted. (laughs) Exactly. And in mentioning Guelph, just so you guys have some context, we're a bit of a hippie town. We're uh, like an agricultural (laughs) university town. It is definitely a, a large hippie base. But yeah, so for us here, it seems a lot more common that people are using reusable things and they're reducing those wastes. But I'm finding, so I asked my audience some questions yeah. and I and I feel like this is going to be the best way for us to lead through this conversation because I certainly have questions and stuff as well. But some of these ones I find are truly interesting. So one that I really, really liked was how you can properly recycle. Because I didn't realize that there is actually a way to proper recycling and I don't think a lot of us do it. Okay. Well, you know what? The biggest challenge for us is that recycling is different depending on where you live. So even in Ontario, you go from one city to the next and the recycling requirements are different. And the best thing that you can do is really just find out what your municipality recycles. So I think Toronto recently, I think last year or earlier this year realized like they weren't recycling black plastic because the scanning machines couldn't actually decipher what type of plastic it was. So all oh. of the black plastic was actually going to So all those meal containers. Yes. So it everyone thought they were so doing such a good job controversial, with. Controversial, <gasps> right? So it's confusing to so many people. So the best thing you can do, and I know this is kind of boring, but just go on your municipal website and get the list of what you can put in your recycling bin and what goes in your garbage because you'd be surprised, you know, what that actually looks like. And it changes from municipality to municipality. And when you are putting something in the recycling bin, what steps are you actually supposed to take before you put them in the bin? You're supposed to clean them. You're supposed to clean them. (laughs) I didn't know that. So Shane taught me that. And I was like, so I was like, what? I just, I have to rinse my jars before I I put them in. Such a shock. But you know what? It's not that big a step. It really isn't. It's not that big a step, but it, that was definitely a surprise for me. Okay. Another one that people are bringing up a lot is affordability. A lot of people are just struggling with that start point. Like how much do you feel would be a good investment, some great ways to kind of doing it in an affordable way? We've got some students, we've got some single moms here talking. They want to have that impact, but you know what? It doesn't really feel accessible to them. 
Yeah, and fair enough. So one thing I did find that was a bit more expensive was, you know, I used to shop at Costco all of the time. Mm -hmm. And quite frankly, for, you know, a lot of things that we would buy at Costco, it was actually a a bit cheaper than going to our local bulk store. So I I was spending a bit more money and that I was okay with because I was investing in my values. But- I also find that, you know, I make an effort to also find places that are less expensive. So I live right by a no frills and obviously Mm -hmm. not everyone listening to this is going to know what no frills is, but it's, you know, affordable grocery store. It's like a no no namer. Right. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So I go there and I find like the produce that's not wrapped in plastic. And it's, it's crazy because I can get a lot of groceries for a very low bill because I'm, I'm, you know, shopping somewhere less expensive. And the cool thing is that even though it's a no frills grocery store, they're starting to get a bit more organic stuff as well. So it's a a bit more affordable when I compare it to more expensive boutique grocery stores that we have. Yep. So I find that I'm getting cost savings there and then, you know, willing to spend a bit more money at the bulk store. So I avoid the waste. But when you look at, you know, your lifestyle as a whole, the zero waste lifestyle is meant to inspire less consumption. So I think that part of it is just evaluating what are we spending our money on? Oh, good And point. I know a lot of people love talking about budgets and money and finances. I buy, really. I buy a lot of miniatures and it kills me when they come in all those tiny plastics. But at the same time, that's literally what I spend my money on. And I have to think about that. You know, I do. But you're right. I think it, I think it does come down to like the fact that we are like hyperactive consumers. Right? Like we're, we're nonstop. We're marketed to all the time. It's yeah. like part of our day every single day. And I remember as a kid, you hear it all the time, reduce, reuse, reset. Cycle, and all of a sudden it feels like the most important words that we're supposed to be carrying around. Yep. It's a huge reason I love thrifting because a lot of the other stuff I find, I shouldn't say I fail at, I'm getting better at in terms of like, my simple steps would be bringing reusable bags, yes, not using straws, bringing reusable water bottles, and even those mesh bags that you can use for like grocery produce. The problem is when I forget those. Yes, and just leave them in your car or I, leave them by the door. I know. It sounds like <laughs> it should happen that way. I, But I mean, we're taking better steps at that. But thrifting was such an easy one for me because I'm like, this is reducing my, well, it's not reducing how much I buy, but it's like it's reducing new items being sold. And it's also reusing something, So, which was really cool for me. And I, and I love that environmental impact of it, even if it's like something that I genuinely love to do. And I will say that when I am using like reusable bags or I've remembered them and I'm using like those produce bags, those weren't expensive at all. You actually find them very often. Like I found a lot of times you can get, I know in the States at Trader Joe's, they do paper bags and you like recycle them back in and stuff like that. So once you kind of get into the habit of it, I feel like it does get easier. Even like when I bought my, so I get a lot of Nick's wear, but they always come with like their, their mesh um, washing bags. Mm-hmm. So I've just started using them as produce bags. Yeah, that's great. So I'm like that. You're repurposing. It, it, repurposing, right? So you, all of a sudden when you're aware of where you can repurpose, I mean, my ex-mother law used to always like even margarine containers over and over and over again. She yeah. never bought anything new. It was like, if she had a plastic container, she was always reusing it. And now I'm looking back at it and I'm going, that was actually, that was actually pretty smart. That yeah. was really cool. I always thought it was funny that she had so many stacks of like <laughs> these plastic containers, but is it true that if you don't rinse out those containers, do they, what happens? Do they go to the landfill? If you have a, let's say you have a plastic recyclable container or a jar and you don't rinse it out and you throw it in your recycling, what happens? We don't know. That's something I'm not sure of, but um, I do know that 
if you do have something that hasn't been washed, it can potentially contaminate other items oh. that would have other otherwise been recyclable. And that I'm, makes sense. And I'm a, I'm a nerd. I'm I'm super interested in the recycling. So I'm actually going to be booking a tour of our recycling facility in Guelph, so oh, I can come cool. back to you with that question that That's I don't have an answer so to. So cool. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> another one. A few people asked about this. How can you start composting? Especially in, even if you're doing tiny living, if you're living in an apartment or an apartment building or condo, but where's a good way to start with composting? Yeah, for sure. Okay. So, you know, you and I are really spoiled because we have municipal compost bins. So quite frankly. Oh yeah. I was like, we do. Yes. Yes, we do. The green bin. Yes. The green bin. (laughs) I didn't know it was called that. Oh, well, uh, yeah. So we have compost that's picked up by our city. So um, that is how my husband and I compost at home. And next year we're looking to get a composter in our backyard because we have a little veggie garden. Um, But for people who are maybe like in apartments or or tiny living and and don't have Mm -hmm. uh, access to municipal composting options, because not everywhere has that, they can do worm composting in their own home. I don't know too much about it because I don't do it myself, but there are definitely lots of like apartment options for compost. But you can also find out if there's like a community garden, like a community veggie garden or local, you know, farmer's markets, because they'll often have compost options. So some people will go to the farmer's market, bring their compost and a local farmer will be like, yep, I'll totally take that to my compost pile. So it's just getting a bit more creative about what options there are in your community if your municipality doesn't do it. That makes sense. Okay. I have a, I have a curious question. Yeah. When I was a kid, paper was like the bad thing because it was cutting down trees trees and deforestation. And now it feels like we're flipping where it's like paper packaging is better than plastic. So where, where do things weigh out when it comes to like packaging and things like like cardboards versus, you know, plastic containers? I feel like it feels like we're switching one out for the other. Yeah. I get where you're coming from. I, I think ultimately it's, it's not trying to substitute one disposable for another. I think ultimately at the end of the day with the zero waste mindset, I think is just really about reusing. So instead of, you know, oh, we were using plastic, but now we're using paper. That's great that it's recyclable and whatever. But ultimately the best option is just to have your own reusable bag or- I think that's smart. Reusable containers, because then we don't have to worry about trees or plastic production. Yes, there is, you know, if you use a a cotton bag, there's obviously the impact of creating that cotton bag. But if you use that for years and years and years- Less so. Yeah. Right. I can see the hierarchy of where this might come into play because yeah, the cotton- would maybe last a lot longer. Paper a little like has at least a breakdownable aspect to it. Yes. Where plastic is literally living forever. Yes. Like I said, how long yep. does plastic take to break down? Well, it depends on the plastic, but ultimately what happens with plastic is instead of it biodegrading into mm-hmm. the natural environment and, and breaking down and creating nutrients, which is like say leaf litter would do that, plastic just separates and just becomes microplastics in our environment. Oh, interesting. And it doesn't break down in landfills and nothing really breaks down in landfills, just to be clear too. Oh, interesting. Okay. Here's another one. And it's not something I even was conscious of until Jillian Harris was mentioning it, Mm -hmm. who is somebody, if you don't follow her, which I don't know if anybody following, like listening to this doesn't follow her, but she's Mm -hmm. really good at very, being very approachable to 
being better about waste. However, I find that in the area she's in, there's a lot more accessible. Like they even have like a place where you go and like can recycle your goods. I don't know that we have that here. And maybe not everybody has that. But the one thing that she brought up was a party, like birthday parties. And she was like, I'm not using balloons anymore. And we're trying to make these zero waste or very, very low waste parties. How can we go about things like birthday parties? Because a lot of people are asking, like, how do you do this with kids? Like, how yes. do you how do you manage, you know, reducing that and in a good way? Because balloons, I never even thought about balloons. And then all of a sudden somebody Single says balloons. Plastics. And I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, they are. Yep. And then the balloon re- releases into the environment. Like, yeah, have you seen that where they do like the big the groups? The big groups. Of, oh. I know. And, and they're then, so beautiful. And then, but that's not so great. It's awful for, you know, the birds that are going to try and eat those balloons later, right? So Truly. What would be some great alternative options for throwing a birthday party in a way that might be a little bit more accessible or something reusable? Like I understand for a lot of people, like it's going to cost money. However, we've been doing it the last couple of years in our own family. And I know a couple of things that we've done, but I'd love to hear what you kind of would suggest. For sure. And and first of all, like I don't have kids, so yeah. I'm definitely speaking from experience from- But you've been friends. to parties. I've been to parties as we a kid, partied. as a grown up. And, and certainly there's parties all the time. And I think- you know, it's a lot more work, obviously, but to skip the disposables altogether, if possible, because now you go to parties and it's like paper or plastic plates, plastic cutlery, red solo cups, and yeah. it's just all the stuff goes in the trash after. And and even though it could be recycled, our recycling rates are, are still low. Even, you know, in Canada, our yeah, recycling right. rates are really low. So, you know, if you can choose reusables instead, if your mm-hmm. party's not too big, then that's great. And then potentially if, if you need a hand in the kitchen to do the dishes later, I'm sure you'd probably find a volunteer to help you out. But so I know that's not an ideal option for a lot of people who are like, oh, that sounds like a lot of work. That's definitely one way to reduce waste. But from like the perspective of kids, I know that, you know, a lot of parents are like, oh, they come home with so much stuff. And if they go to a birthday party, they come home with like yeah. cheap crap, like, and I'm sorry to say that, but like cheap gift bags that yeah. are like, maybe like, you know, they'll play with once and then they end up in the trash. So I think it's being mindful of goodie bags. So a lot of people might like give tiny little sapling trees that they could plant at home. I love that idea. I actually just went to a wedding where that was our takeaway. We all got a little plant to take home. And I was like, that was actually really, really nice. I mean, it was very on decor for them and stuff too. But so we're going to talk about the biodegradable versus compostable because when we did, I believe it was Easter this year, my mom wanted to make it completely zero waste. So not zero waste, but at least like it very, very environmentally friendly. So we had all cloth. There was no plastic. So everything was like cloth napkins, cloth tablecloth. Um, we had all real glassware. We used our own silverware. And then she got these, I believe it was bamboo leaf plates. And I know we still threw them out, but I don't know if they were biodegradable or compostable or what that was. Cause I know with bamboo, a lot of people love to choose it because it's like such a renewable source. What are your thoughts on that? Can you kind of explain and break down biodegradable versus compostable and kind of this idea that we're being greenwashed, which somebody said that word and I didn't really know what that meant, but (laughs) essentially greenwashing is like alluding to it being an environmental choice. When when it's not necessarily. It's not. Okay. Okay. So let's talk about the biodegradable versus compostable. So when something is biodegradable, typically that means it should be able to break down in the natural environment on its own. And you should be able to put it like, say you dug up your dirt and just put it in there and it should eventually break down. Okay. 
Compostable, on the other hand, um, could mean a number of things. You could have your backyard compost where something could break down as well more naturally. But certain things that are labeled compostable actually need special facilities to be composted. So Uh, what's becoming really popular right now um, are bioplastics, which they're like, you know, this is, and this is where greenwashing comes in. So if you have like a plastic cup and it says I'm compostable on the cup and therefore it's eco-friendly. Well, that's great if it's compostable, but it's only, you know, compostable if it can be composted. So for example, in the city of Guelph where we live, we have a compost system with our municipality, but they do not compost plastics. Oh, crap. So all of those compostable plastics that we can buy at the store here are not being composted at the facility. And I have done a tour of our organics facility and they're like, well, unfortunately it just you know, is contaminating the waste stream because it's like, well, is it recyclable or is it compostable? Like, where does it actually go? It's confusing a lot of people. So I would oh. say, unless you know that your municipality will compost compostable plastics, steer clear, just stick to recyclable. So I was where was I? Booster Juice, their new straws. I love their straws. And I believe that they they have like a sign that says it'll break down in a certain amount of days, but I think they said compostable. I'd have to double check on that. But is there it a way confusing, that- confusing, right? Will they eventually, bioplastics, is there a way for them to break down on their own? Like eventually, like if we still are in the between these two things, is it literally going to take like the 30,000 years that like normal plastic does? Or is it going to eventually break down a little bit better? And this is the other thing is that it depends. Okay. It depends on the type of bioplastic it okay. is. So um, for example, I had a brand reach out to me and they were creating compostable mailers. So the basically, looks like a plastic bag that they would do shipments in, but it says, I'm a compostable bag. And, and then I think they were also saying it's biodegradable. So I was like, okay, well, have you done a test? Have you actually put that bag in soil and watched it break down and, you know, not break down into microplastics, but break down into the soil, into nutrients. So I said, I'd be willing to work with them once they could show me and prove to me that that item would actually break down properly. So I haven't, (laughs) <laughs> they haven't followed up with me since. So okay. I'm still learning about this too. Yeah, it's so very much new. Confusion, right? There's a lot of confusion. And I think that's I think that's why it can be, it can feel a little unapproachable to go a through this scary, because it feels yeah. like there's a lot of misinformation out there. Yes. It feels like there's a lot of like missteps we could be taking. And even when we take a really good step, you know, I stopped like buying any leather. But I guess on my luggage bag, someone was like, you know that the the trim is leather. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I didn't know that. And I felt bad. And then like people were saying stuff about it. And then on top of that, I was speaking to somebody who worked in environmental stuff. And she was like, actually, the faux leather is so much worse for the environment than leather is. And I was like, wait, what? And I was so confused. And I'm like, this is why, <laughs> that's why I love thrifting. Cause I'm like, I can just buy it's leather safe. there yeah, and it feels so much <laughs> safer, but I, I understand it now why it can be very, very confusing. So I think we all just kind of have to give ourselves a lot of grace with this. Oh, give Take your, those baby steps. Slack for sure. We're doing the best we can. Yes. Right. So a lot of people are very confused about how to use those jars in a bulk situation. Yes. Okay. We can totally talk about yeah, that. Because that's kind of new for us. I know that in Canada, we have Bulk Barn. They just changed this initiative now where you can go bring in jars and do this. But I I would like to know how it actually works because I haven't actually done it yet. Cool. Okay. Well, with Bulk Barn and and many other uh, bulk stores, you can bring your own containers and bags. And the policy at Bulk Barn is that you have to come in and always bring clean containers, first of all. Right. Make sure you're not bringing dirty because that's kind of gross. So bring in your clean containers and they will weigh them empty 
for you. And that gets the tear weight, which is the weight of the jar empty. And then you go fill up with whatever you're getting, say it's almonds or you're getting candy. And then make sure you remember the SKU number and then go back and pay for your products. So that way, when they weigh your jar with it full, they'll know what the tear is. And normally they'll write it on your jar. But if you're going somewhere else that isn't Bulk Barn, you can write it on your own jar or whatever. And then they'll subtract that weight. So you're not paying for the jar. You're okay. just paying for the almonds and your candy. And it's pretty simple. And if you're and it not would sure, look so pretty in your cupboard when oh you come home. Oh my gosh, my cupboards are so much more so beautiful. Nice. Yes, <laughs> I love a jar. And mason jars are so inexpensive. Yes. So I would say like the key things that we've been talking about here are reusable bags, which I find are still we like people like give them out at things now. So like you yep. can get your reusable bags. Easy to just do. start collecting them. Two would be those reusable produce bags. I think I spent twelve ninety nine for five. Or you can just shop at Nick's and use their mesh lingerie bags. Also an option. Or make your own. <laughs> or or make your own. Another one would be this jar, like bulk shopping with jars or your local market. Do you find the market is like a really great way to go a little bit less with waste? Yes, definitely. So I still bring my own bags and containers there. And yeah. I leave all of the containers that they have at the market with them so they can reuse them for sure. And what about when you're going for like takeout food, for instance? So I know that's like a tricky one, but I've seen some places will actually allow you to use your clean, reusable containers to fill the food into. How have you found that that's yeah. that happens very often? Yeah, I've been able to do that in Guelph for sure. Okay. So the best thing to do is just ask in advance, be like, oh, if I come with my containers, are you okay with it? The other option is, and I know this is a bit more complicated, um, is just to order your meal, get it plated, and then put it in your containers when you get Smart. it. Smart. So okay. obviously it takes a bit more patience to do it that way. I was thinking more like a food court because I've seen it at like, goodness me, where people always have their yes. own containers and they just like go and they go through like that whole buffet line and they fill up their own containers and and it's, you know, everybody seems to be doing it. So it doesn't really feel like a thing. But I wasn't, I was just thinking about it in the sense of, I wonder if you went to like Chinese takeout, if they would allow you to do that same thing. Um, I've done it at Thai takeout. Really? <laughs> <Yes>. Oh, <laughs> see, there you go. Okay, so one person asked this, and I find it really interesting. If you are living in a small area, in a smaller city, is it actually going to make an impact? I think it's going to make an impact no matter where you live, right? So being waste conscious, whether you live in a big community or a small community, it all matters. The thing is, in smaller communities, you're likely to have less access to the mm -hmm. options and the variety to um, like bulk stores and plastic free packaging. So maybe you have a small grocery store and most of it's wrapped in plastic. So that just, if you're in a smaller community, there's a good chance you can have an open conversation with your local vendors anyway. That's really cool. So I would just say, just have those conversations. So this is a, another one that I find challenging. What about toilet paper and paper towels? Oh, I Do we use, have to worry I don't about this? toilet paper. No, I'm just joking. Oh my God, my face just now. <laughs> like, oh my God. I still uh, use toilet paper. <laughs> you still use toilet paper. Um, but I just get it. We order a large box of it actually just from Staples. Okay. Um, and it's not wrapped in plastic. So Really? Yeah, huge oh, box. that's and then I very don't have to cool. Buy it all the time. I only buy it like once every few months. Because it's meant for like office supplies. So I guess yes. that's why it would work that way. Yes. So interesting. So paper towels, do you have a good alternative for those? Oh, okay. So I, I don't buy paper towels. I, I use reusable, um, like bar cloths, like, Oh, okay. I got those from Costco. <laughs> yeah. So, that's actually not a bad idea. I don't buy them anymore and it saves money. So you want to talk about budgeting and saving money. I don't buy paper towel. So you don't buy paper towel. You know what? That's the other thing too. There is a, maybe a little bit of cost up front, but almost everything that you're doing in the zero waste stuff is reusable. Yeah. So it's like one-time investment. So yes. it's instead of spending the same amounts of money every single month. And maybe that, that is what it becomes where it's like, just 
just scraping a little bit aside, a little bit of a time so you can make those like tiny changes while you're on your path to making bigger ones, I think totally. too, right? So, okay, very, very cool. Um, what other what other things do you think that you can see on the horizon for us in terms of this environmental issue? I know that there is a lot of stuff in the government. They're even talking about like, outlawing single-use plastics. Do you think we'll ever see that in our lifetime? Um, not anytime soon. I think it'll definitely take a lot of time. And the, you know, the plastics industry has a, a lot of, you know, they have a lot of power and a lot of money. So I'm yeah. sure they'll have a voice in that conversation. But I think it's just making sure that, you know, the government plays a role and we play a role. And I'm hoping that our governments make initiatives to make sure that our recyclable materials are actually getting recycled. Like give that material a new yeah. life because like we don't want this stuff in our oceans. I don't want to go snorkeling right. in Bali and see, you know, garbage in our oceans. So And it's not just about straws. Like I actually heard like it's apparently like 0.01% is like straws, yet we've like small potatoes. We've like really zeroed in on like straws are the worst thing and like I think because the images are so awful, like I feel yeah. like straws and plastic bags were the ones that we initially were like, "Oh my gosh, you can't use those." And that's a great baby step, it but is it is like it, there's so much more. And it's not to overwhelm people. I think it's just to kind of give you this grander picture and this understanding of we can actually do these things if we care enough to make the intentional choice too. Yeah. And I think people get scared of the, you know, whole environmentalism and they don't want to yeah. be labeled as an environmentalist. And quite frankly, I, I don't want to be pinpointed either because everyone's going to start criticizing me, right? So yeah, I don't have the energy for it. No, no. And it, it's exhausting. So it's just looking at options. So if you're going to fly, think about what carbon offsets you can buy, right? So what is that? So, okay. <laughs> I was like, I was like nodding my head and I was like, I have no idea what you're okay, talking about. So so for example, if obviously you're going to take a flight that's going to produce a lot of emissions for the natural environment. So a carbon offset would be, for example, putting money into planting more trees. Oh, I love that idea. Right? I love that idea. That makes me feel a lot better because I was like, I don't think I can cut back on that air travel. No, me neither. My dad's a pilot and he yeah. doesn't even live in Canada. And I'm like, travel is just like, I'm half British. My dad doesn't live in Canada and I have family abroad. So I'm yeah. like, traveling is a part of my life. Yeah. And I'm just worried, you know, that with my platform, I'm going to be in an airport one day and someone's going to look at me and be like, you're full of BS, yeah, you know, telling you people to be more eco-friendly. I love that though. You're so you we can counteract it by like funding things that actually feed back into the environment, which is that's such a good idea. I love that. Yeah, okay. I don't think it should be all or nothing. I think we need to be realistic. Yes, I think we need to be realistic, and I think we, you're, like you said, we have to understand that the society that we're living in, yes. that we're existing in, and yep. we're definitely in a stage of unlearning. And I don't think that that happens overnight. I think when you're unlearning a lot of the things that we were raised in, of course, all of a sudden we're talking about you know reusable bags, but we didn't have that conversation when I was a kid. We didn't really do that. I remember my mom had a reusable bag for the library. We learned about the environment. We did like tree planting. We did all that stuff. But I don't know that we saw it as such a dire issue as it is right now. You know, yeah. they say it over and over, like there is no planet B. This is our planet. This is the one we have to take care of. And we might be able to survive it, but we don't know what's going to happen for the next generations and the ones after that. And what will likely happen is very similar to, you know, what we've already seen start happening, which is just like slowly areas are dying of the world and we're being all pushed together essentially. I don't know where I don't understand it enough, but I know that we can make like these small little changes to make a difference, which is why I think what you're doing is super, super cool. So I'm excited to see, I don't know. I feel like everyone kind of needs to follow you to kind of get like this 
this cool little introduction to it all. Also, it's very cool looking to be environmentally friendly these days. So like, (laughs) also if you go onto her page, either Mindfully Tara or the Zero Waste Collective, it's so freaking pretty. It just makes you want to buy all the jars and like use all the reusable things. Like it's a very, it's a very aesthetically pleasing lifestyle to have, right? So I think that's, that's another little perk about it is that it's very, it's just a nice thing that we could be doing. Plastic isn't pretty. (laughs) Oh, that should be on a T, it probably is on a (laughs) t-shirt. All right. Let us know. Do you have anything coming up next? Any new and exciting things? I have a few things behind the scenes in the works that I can't share yet, but definitely things are happening. I'm very excited for Tara actually too, because about, oh, nine months ago, we sat down and had a cup of coffee and you were like, I think I'm almost ready to quit my job, but I just don't know if I'll (gasps) ever do this full time. And then it was like two months later and you pulled the trigger and you do this full time. And this is like... Once again, people, if you have a passion for something and you can turn it into something else, like let that lead you, like let that guide you. You have no idea. Like she started this in 2017. That's two years ago. And now she is full-time just channeling this amazing energy of what can we do for the environment in really small, accessible ways every single day. I find that so inspirational. And I find that is, you have so much to be proud of. So I'm excited to see all the things you're doing, but let everyone know where they can find you. Yes. And learn how to be, a lower waste, zero waste. <laughs> totally low waste. So mindfully Tara on Instagram, zero waste collective on Instagram. And then my website is the zero waste collective.com. And now my animals are going to have a full blown ruckus. Yes, we're done. We're done, <laughs> Veda. You can have a moment of snuggles. <gasps> Thank okay. you so much, Sarah. Thanks everyone so much for listening. Thank you, Tara, for lending your voice and teaching us how to be a little bit better in our everyday. Until next time. Well, friends, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to today's episode. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes or find us on Instagram at the Papaya Podcast. And if you loved what you just listened to or know somebody who would, please share it. Simply screenshot today's episode in the podcast app and share it to your Instagram stories. And don't forget to tag us. Last but not least, if you'd like to lend your personal support to the podcast, take a moment and leave a review on iTunes. We would be oh so grateful. Tune in next week for a fresh new episode of the Papaya Podcast, and we'll see you then.